Welcome to the show and today we are visiting the tiny village of Sabi in the heart of Mpumalanga's panorama route. Known for its graceful waterfalls and God's window, the bladder of a canyon, Burke's luck, potholes and the three rondavals. And our guest is conservationist and brewer Sean McCartney, one of the founders of the Sabi Brewing Company. My name is Holger Meyer and this is Beer World. Sean McCartney, welcome to the show. Lovely. Thanks, Holger. I've had the privilege of visiting you in Sabi a few times. Why don't you start by just sharing a little bit where you're from and uh, maybe where you grew up? Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. Um, Holger, I'm originally, believe it or not, from Bloemfontein. Oh. Um, I was born in, I think my parents were the only English-speaking Roman Catholics in Bloemfontein. <laughs> <laughs> so... Yeah, but my old man had a little farm outside of Bloemfontein. And um, in about 1969, we moved to Pretoria, where I finished my schooling. And um, I, I was quite keen on conservation and environmental-related stuff. So I sort of went into that line. Um, I started off um, in at Sarsfeld Forestry College. And um, I think... The interesting thing about forestry is you a jack of all trades. You learn a little bit about everything. Yeah. Um, so there's a, a mechanical side, there's a scientific side, there's a biological side. You you're working with nature, um, and during that period, I really fostered and further nurtured my love for nature. Um, I landed up working in the Eastern Transvaal um, in the vicinity of Kruskop. And I've been in this part of the world ever since in the okay. Crosscorp Sabi area. This is sort of Pilgrim's Rest, Crosscorp Sabi, Hazy View. And of course, I love the low felt because it's got the, the, the bush felt down there. Yeah. But um, there's nothing that um, is unattractive in terms of conservation value in these upper catchments. There's beautiful indigenous forests, there's lovely bird life. So it's all around us. And um, the parts of the reason we started the brewery is. Um, Firstly, we couldn't get decent craft beer mm. um, in the in the in Pumbalanga. We had to import the stuff from Cape Town, <laughs> and it's just crazy to think that ninety nine percent of what you have is water. Yeah, and, and you got to ship it, and, and and the Cape is is water stressed, and mm. the water quality compared to these upper catchments here is is and with the realization. And I've got thirty five years of water chemistry data on the Fatristings tributary of the Sabi. Um, which is the tributary that feeds the Sabi town. Um, and it's fantastic water. So okay. um, people who make beer, I think that's where it starts. You yeah. start getting appreciation for the, the water chemistry. For, for and, the um, yeah, and as you decide what styles you want to adopt, then so, so you look yeah. at those brewer's salts and what's in it. So so there's a few things. We, we couldn't get local craft beer. Um, what we're getting in from um, Joburg in Cape Town costs a fortune, but we know why now. Um, it is it is a expensive process, mm. um, and then of course um, this just the logistics around moving a, a, a heavy product like beer around the country. We just thought it's crazy. Mm. So um, four of us put some bucks in, and um, at the time I was um, working on a game reserve called Valkafunden in Limpopo Province as the CEO. Um, I'd, I'd, I'd been environmental management and eventually landed up as the uh, general manager of the York Timbers Forestry Division. 
but it had, I mean, 2008 went through a very um, torrid time in that um, York had bought from GFP at um, excessive prices. They then had fires in 2008, which coincided with the collapse in the in the world economy. There was a heavy downturn. They overpriced the asset, and then they had these heavy fires that um, destroyed a further third of the asset. So they were really in a bad space. And um, we were in the process of retrenching people who I'd spent 20, 30 years working with. Yeah. And I wasn't enjoying that. And the opportunity came up to um, a, a position as CEO of Alcafon and Game Reserve. So I jumped at it and they accepted me. So um, while I was there, um, our curiosity had already been peaked in terms of getting this brewery project going. Okay. And um, I took some long leave um, in 2012 and went across to um, the UK, um, Brew Labs, part of Sunderland University that's affiliated to them. And I did a beer making course, um, 21 days of just totally immersed in beer and just talking about beer. And uh, my, my knowledge prior to that was very scant, very limited. I was a, a great beer drinker, but I, in all honesty, didn't have a clue on how it landed up getting into the form that we enjoy it. And the, the the various styles and you know the, just the the, the the array of products from the the malts to the um, the hops and the yeasts and it was just it was a whole new world was opened up to me. Um, at the time, I wasn't sure I was going to be the brewer, but the the chap we'd identified as the brewers had um, hassles. A, a chap by the name of Thomas Bohm, he was going to originally brew for us. Um, his mom was attached at their hotel down at Bohm's. And he had to allocate his time and attention to the hotel project. Uh, I'd enjoyed my time at Sunderland doing the beer making course. And so I said, well, listen, guys, I'll put my hand up. So in um, 2014, I resigned from Valhofonden and came to Sabi. We started the initial um, moves to commission a brewery. We wanted one built in South Africa. And we used a company down in Paul. Um, and... Um, you know, by then we sort of had an idea of, of what size we wanted to go and we were on the lookout for a, a decent building. Yeah. How, Eventually did you, how did you find that building? Man, uh, we, we, there was a lot of property available for sale in Sobe. It was really a okay. question of saying, well, well, what is most suitable? Yeah. And this was the, the first brick and mortar building that was built in Sobe in 1921. And um, it was originally a trading store. Yeah. Um, there, there is a linkage between the, the, the history of, of Kruger and the entire um, the, the transport riders, um, Sir Percy Fitzpatrick, Jocker the Bushveld, um, Albacini and the like. And there was a series of trading posts all the way from Pilgrims, Crosscorp, through to Leidenberg, which was the capital then, and then, of course, down to Lorenzo Marx, down through Kruger, past Pretorius Cop on the, on the old yeah. Fur Tracker Road. So, you know, that that part of it we really loved is the old history of the yeah, area, yeah. which lands up getting forgotten. And um, all of us enjoy history. So yeah. we thought, here's an opportunity, get this old building, restore it. Um, and so we, we were quite fortunate that it was on the market at the time and it was right on the main road. Um, and it's got this lovely old historic connotation to it. Yeah. So it is a heritage building. <clears throat> so. It did add complexity to the project, as as these old heritage buildings do. To get but I think permissions. In, to get the permissions, but I think in a nice way, because mm. um, it, 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 the, the authorities, uh, the, the the guys who look after um, 
these heritage um, projects. Um, they went obstructive anyway. If anything, they were extremely helpful. Okay. Um, and I think we landed up with a better product in terms of um, how we preserved and presented it. Yeah. Just so the, just, just uh, <clears throat> explain explain the layout a bit because it's it's such a you got such a wonderful location there. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's the uh, Sob is as you know on the in, in the upper reaches of the. Um, of the Eastern Transvaal. Kind of the panorama route. On the panorama route. So the terrain is exceptionally steep. And that, yeah. was, that was something we had to contend with with the building. Um, and it remains a problem for us because I don't think we'll ever become a, a mass production factory um, in that we'll never get um, forklifts and, and trucks and stuff. And trucks and things into the. Yeah. Uh, because you go up a very steep um, ascent into the, um, the back of the yard. Um, but it's, these are things we had to consider at the at the time we commissioned the brewery. And we, and we were the, the biggest we've gone are um, two of our conditioning tanks or uni tanks or three thousand liter tanks, and just to get those into the building was a hell of a mission. Um, the hot end of the brewery we had to actually drop through the roof. Um, we couldn't fit it through <laughs> the doors. So you know that, that that's there and it's there for good. Um, yeah. It's not something that we could easily <laughs> dismantle. Um, it's, it's, it's doable, but um, we'd prefer not to, of yeah. course. And then as is typical of these projects, the guys said, listen, if you guys are planning a 500-litre brewery, double it. Yeah. Start start at double of what you would have done. And it's fortunate we did that. And now in hindsight, if we had looked just, just on the, the uni tanks, we've got um, five 1,000-litre uni tanks and two 2,000-litre um, uni tanks. That's the effective volume that they can um, um, ferment and condition. Um, but the amount of space that the 2,000-litre tank takes up is proportionately so much less. Uh, you're not really occupying a lot more space. So mm. we, we, if anything, should probably have gone for um, more 2,000-litre yeah. tanks, if not 3,000-litre tanks, you know, gone, gone for, for bigger because they don't occupy a hell of lots more space. It's, okay. slightly, it's slightly fatter, a little bit higher, but the sums behind it, it seems freaky, but you, you're getting double the volume yeah. in. Yeah, obviously there is double the space, but it's not occupying. Yeah. Um, you know, clever people, these engineering guys, will explain how that works. But you now, when you look at volumes, you get in a hell of a lot more bang for your buck on a on a bigger tank. Um, so that's something we we might have done differently. But in any event, you know, of course, this is before COVID came along. So um, I, I was invited back to Valkafonden in 2017. They asked me if I'd do another three year stint. Um, Just to and, help you through COVID, hey? Well, no. Well, I got, <laughs> I, I, I got there. The first thing that happened, we had a terrible bloody computer hack, uh, this, these ransom hacks. Yeah. And um, like we deal with quite a lot of um, sensitive information yeah. in terms of rider security and things like that. So it was it was quite stressful. And it took four or five months. We decided we're not going to pay the ransom to try and sort things out. So, you know, other people are sort of running your IT systems in the background. Um, and you sort of, in, in, in many cases, we got the, the best forensic guys we could to try and um, mm. sort the, the issue out, which they did sort out. Um, but even today, you know, we live with some of the consequences of that hack. So data security is a is a big thing. And if um, I, I think anybody, irrespective of if it's a brewery or a game reserve or a, a commercial institute, geez, look after your data properly and make sure you've got the proper backups. Mm. Um and then, of course, then COVID came along. 
Valkofonen is a 40,000 hectare big five reserve. It caters mainly for the international market. And of course, that dried up. And um, members who we depended heavily on their levies to, when you put a fence around a big five reserve, you've got rhino, elephant, lion, you name it. You can't stop protecting it. Mm. Um, and of course, you deal with the normal um, issues relating to um, wildlife management or any land use. And you've got the floods, you've got the droughts, you've got nutritional concerns, you've got um, alien plants invasions, bush encroachment, you name it. You've got to maintain roads, you've got to maintain bridges, you've got to do all those things. It all takes money. And of course, when members aren't getting the income from the international market, things turn ugly. Um, so I found after a, a year and a half of that, I, I wasn't enjoying it. Um, I, I turned 60, my three-year contract period had come to an end. Um, the board asked me if I'd renew it, and I wasn't enjoying it. It's just a, a, I wasn't. I was dealing more with debtors and trying to gather money. And if I really want to do that, I can do that back at the brewery. So I decided, <laughs> well, you know, <clears throat> let me let me at least go recover my own money rather yeah. than money that belongs to um, the, the, the members of Valkafonda. <laughs> So um, I retired, came back to Sabi, and I've been active in the background. Um, I've got a very capable and competent brewer, chap of Peter Mabuza. Uh, Peter's been fantastic. He's been brewing the beer um, consistently. Um, he's curious. He's got a lovely sense. He's, he's, he's inquisitive about what happens. And as you know, with, there's so much literature and mm -hmm. so much out there in terms of brewing. I think I, I heard somebody say that there's more published relating to beer and making beer than there is about religion. And I think I can <laughs> believe it. it. It is sort of a religion. Yeah. So, um, so there's, it's, it's fantastic, but of course you've got to select what you're going to read and yeah. what you, and you know, which, which, what, what will you apply and what won't you, not everything goes. Um, we sort of settled on seven different styles of beer, and we've kept those on tap, um, probably 99% um, reliability. Of course, with, with COVID coming along, the, our international market here also just dried up, and that probably formed about um, 50 to 60% um, of our market, not necessarily directly at the brew lab itself, um, but we were provided on the panorama route into um, places like Harry's Pancakes, the um, Crosscorp Lift Company um, up at Misty Mountain. You know, these these guys, most of their market is um, overseas market. We we had beer on tap there. And, of course, that dried up. Mm. Um, so we're fortunate. We, you know, maybe I'm sounding pessimistic, and um, but we are still in business. So, you know, there's, there's – and, and, and we're not – we were chipping money in three, four years ago as directors – on quite a regular basis, but in the last year we haven't put any money in at all. So the business is keeping its washing its face yeah. um, on what we have now. So I think we're feeling fairly optimistic in that there are some green shoots. We are seeing a, a return of some um, overseas of the overseas market. I, I read in this week that Cape Town's tourist numbers have doubled, but I don't know what the base they're working from. If it's you know it's if it's if it's gone from one jumbo jet full to two jumbo jets full that's that's not going to help us much i mean we need we need the, the the masses but of course we sit also in the background with um hassles relating obviously to escom um, energy requirements um these outages play it's not just rescheduling and being more clever how you schedule your beer making 
Um, it's also the fact that with these um, outages and the um, surges that we get, it's played havoc on our chilling equipment. Um, so we've probably spent on maintenance uh, uh, probably, I don't know, 30%, 40% more than we normally would have expected to have spent. I mean, we expect things to, you know, the, the, the breweries, we started our first beer was in November 2014 that we poured. And um, so, you know, you expect after um, seven or eight years that things do start failing, pumps start failing, fridges and, and the like. But we've already had quite a good um, maintenance program in place. So, um, you know, we expect that with preventative maintenance, you extend the life of products. And, and we haven't seen that. We've, the, we haven't seen the return on that investment. Um, and, of course, Tobachwe, the municipality that we in, is one of the um, biggest offenders in terms of not paying ESCOM. So on top of the power outages, we expect, and there's a, a court case, I think it might be, in, they might be hearing it today for Standerton, in terms of um, people who are paying their accounts but are being in any event penalised by the municipality. The, when it gets to a certain threshold, ESCOM just cuts the guys off because they know they're not going to get the money. So depending on how that court case goes, we might have to deal with uh, um, the um, normal ESCOM-induced outages plus those that the municipality has a punitive measure against these um, municipalities that have been remiss. So that is de definitely disconcerting. And then, of course, um, your, your other costs, um, you know, we're quite concerned about what we hear out of Russia, Ukraine, the availability. Um, I, I, I certainly don't think that our speciality malts originate from Russia or Ukraine, but it is going to affect other breweries elsewhere in Europe, and um, that will be there will be a knock-on effect mm. for us, there's no doubt. So, um, you know, we're quietly just watching how those events unfold. Um, you know, I think fortunately enough, um, we're able to, as you know, get our um, normal um, SAB, our, our pale malts out of SAB. And um, so we, 80% so of our malt is is, 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 uh, is that pale malt, which comes at a good price. The quality is good. Um, we've never really ever had a hassle in terms of um, reliability of supply um, from that side. Um yeah, but I think our speciality malts and our um, speciality hopses, those noble hopses, there, there is some concern there. But I think we'd we'd find substitutes. Mm. I, I, you know, I think craft brewers, especially at the scale we operate, are, are creative and innovative, and you, you make do with what you can get. So yeah. you know, we're going to have to just do that. Um, of course, costs, electricity costs, and we see now what's happening with fuel. So. Um, I think very early on in this game, but you know, fortunately, being in forestry, um, I understand logistics. I was also it was my master when I was an officer in the Air Force. Um, uh, that's what I did was logistics, and that's what we do. Um, we're a logistics company, and we make a little bit of beer in between. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the 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 you've got to think twice before you send a van to go fetch something, or you really got to collaborate. And I think yeah. that's what's going to come out of this is that um, we, we're going to have to pally up with other craft producers, be it of gin or of rum, or and say, listen, guys, we'll help with distribution and vice versa. Yeah. Um, we just got to find ways to be, be be more clever. We can't just throw more money at it. Um, our sense is that the market is is not is receptive to price increases at all. 
No. Um, and we haven't we haven't pushed any increases through for three years now. But of course, yeah. bloody excise, as you know, that goes up at 115 rand now uh, per um, per liter of um, pure alcohol. So you know, there's just uh, continual pressure on um, on margin. Yeah. Um, but that's the way it is. That's that's everybody's faced with exactly the same problem, mm. irrespective of what business they're in. Mm. Sean, in the in the region that you operate in, what other breweries are are still there, or what is happening in the scene there? Yeah, um, listen, um, Anvil Alehouse, I'll yeah. Theo De Beer, as you know, Theo, um, he he's retired. Eh? He retired. He sold off the business to mm. Krista. Um, and they're still making nice beer, Dalstrom. Mm. Dalstrom's a, a lovely little town in terms of its accessibility to Gauteng. Yeah, it's a bit closer uh, than you. It's a, yeah, it's, it's it's two hours from Gauteng on a, on a good road. Mm. And so the, if, you, if you go through there on a weekend, the town is cooking. It's fantastic. Okay. So um, the domestic market, who the guys normally would have gone skiing in Italy or, yeah. <laughs> or um, you know, doing, they decided, well, bugger that, we're not going to not do anything. So <laughs> they went fly fishing in Dalstrom. Yeah. So so that's worked out very nicely. And um, there's, a, those there's, guys. <clears throat> there's, there's also a new distillery in Dalstrom. Yeah, oh, really? I didn't yeah. know about that. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah I, I know. Is it at the whiskey shop or? No, I'm not sure exactly where it is, but we they started talking to me a while ago before COVID, obviously, okay. and yeah, so that's and I've seen their products. I don't know if they contract packing somewhere, but um, the the plan okay. is to open a distillery, yeah. and then from there, I think the next is is um, is the long term. Yeah, yeah, the the hops are still, still there. Okay. Yeah, but, but I'm not quite sure what. Willem's model is there. Um, mm. we, we've reached out to them before to try to collaborate with bringing um, grain, you know, just sharing transport, mm. bringing bottle, bottles and grain and, you know, the bulk transport stuff. It didn't really work out. Okay. Um, but, yeah, the guys are up the hill there and um, we, in all honesty, just don't see the guys around. Mm. Um, I, 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 I'm not quite sure where their market is. Um, I, I can't think that they depend on the occasional um people passing by there for not much traffic. Any, any serious trade. Yeah. There's a couple of rooms up there. So mm. I know that the guys do do um, sort of a bed and breakfast scene and it's a, it's a lovely setup. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm not quite sure what the, uh, the, the reach is in terms of the Mapumlanga or mm. market elsewhere. And for all I know, they might be exporting everything to Swaziland or mm. I don't know. I, mean, I haven't got a cooking clue to tell the truth. Yeah. I've stayed there uh, before, and but it's it's been a while, um, and obviously Nelspruit and White River is, is is quite busy, but uh, not not nothing happening on the brewing scene. No, not that I'm aware of, um, um, Holger. There's um, you know, there's there's been guys speaking um, about getting something started up, but I think you have probably COVID probably made yeah. everybody sit back and say just slow yeah. down, wait, you know, let's probably understand what the market's going to do. Yeah, so if you're um, looking for a brewery in the Lowfeld, it's it's or in the on, in the Panorama region, on the route, it's it's really, you know, between Dalstrom and then you guys are the next one, yeah, the only yeah. one. Mm. I th- yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, a, lo- a lot of the, I, I think probably every outlet in on the Panorama route has got craft beer of some sorts. Yeah. They, you know, they'll, they'll be getting in from Cape Town or Joburg if they're yeah. not. Selling Arbia. 
Okay. You know, but, but but even that uh, that that tap market for us has been very difficult. Um, and as I say, it hasn't recovered the the, the capital costs of those taps and mm. the the cost of having to service them and maintain them. Um, we've always worked on four kegs of beer per tap, and with most of those outlets, you're lucky if you're doing one keg a, a month off, yeah. a, off a tap. That's and of course, deal. of course, at a month now you're sorry to get sour beer, mm. and your the reputational risk becomes a little bit yeah. Um, too high. So there's not much uh, retail takeoff for you guys? No, Holger. Mm. No. And the bottles also don't, I mean, it's very difficult to sell bottles in a in a, in a bottle store, I guess. Yeah, we, we haven't really put a hell of a lot of mm. effort into, um, into bottle stores. Um, and and maybe we should, you know, mm. the, the, fault, the fault is ours, you know, perhaps there's a, a market there that we haven't tapped into. It's just our experience. If you walk into a macro or the like, you'll find these pellets of mm. um, of craft beer going for cheap, cheap, and we can't compete with those prices. No. Um, you know, the guys are, are ruthless in terms of their terms. Yeah, I think the model is still to sell as much as you can at markets or at your at your own premises. Yeah, no, certainly that's where you get the margin. Yeah. Eh? Yeah, yeah. So you, that's been our focus. Is we we don't turn down local markets at all. Um, for instance, this weekend we've got two, um, one in Nelspruit, the Stelters Market, and then there's Perry's Bridge down in Hazy View. Both of them are two good markets. Mm. And so, so any bucks we make there, that's, it's, it's good money. Mm. Um, if, if, and, of course, it's nice to um, – people see the product, they taste it, they like it, they land up on your veranda a few weeks later. Yeah, and you sell, a, the sell a meal as well. Sell, sell a meal and they have a maybe do a brewery tour, taste all the beers, and they hopefully will become royal customers. That's mm. you know that's what's that's happened in a lot of cases. Mm. Um, certainly, we we got to say thank you to our domestic market. It, it has kept us afloat. Okay. Um, it, 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 it's they they've come to the party when we needed them. Yeah. Um, we we decided as well that we'd um, start a loyalty program um, at the brewery for for local guys. Um, Zobi is not a very wealthy community. So for guys to pay 40 bucks a pint for a craft beer. So we decided, listen, guys, um, amongst the directors, we had a discussion, said, listen, the cost that we would normally incur by passing that beer onto another establishment in Dalsprate or White River, you've got the transport, you've got the capital costs of the taps, you've, you've got to give them at a discounted price because he has to add on his margin. Let's pass those benefits onto our local um, domestic market. So we started a, a, a local is lacquer type um, mm. discount scheme, and it's worked quite nicely. The guys are, you know, they're enjoying to, um, the, the fact that they can now afford to drink craft beer and become familiar with the different styles. So, that, so that's been quite lacquer. Is that for on the premise or to take home? <clears throat> on, on the premises. Yeah. Okay. And just for products that we make, yeah. um, you know, we're not, we, we can't afford to discount the food or the yeah. the double brandies and cokes and the like, but. <laughs> we, we we've never really been a uh, known for double brandy and cuck sort of establishments. That's there's there's, there's other um, facilities in town that do a better job at that than we do. <laughs> yeah, um, talk to us a little bit about the the brewery as a destination. What do you offer in terms of obviously you said tours and food etc. Yeah, listen, we um, as I said, we've got seven beers on tap. Mm-hmm. We, we also do a, a, a spritzer. It's a, a, a berry um, spritzer, uh, which has become hugely popular, uh, um, among, especially amongst the ladies, but there's a lot of men who enjoy it as well. And then we make a, a non-alcoholic ginger beer. 
Okay. Uh, and we might start doing an alcoholic ginger beer soon. Uh, you know, I do recall that there was quite a good market for that fiery ginger. Mm. I, I don't know if it still gets flogged anywhere or if yes. it's still in the market. But th- that was usually popular in the low felt um, about eight, nine, ten years ago. Mm. So so we, we, we'd probably look at that. Um, we do do brewery tours, and then um, we have uh, a, a very simple pub grub type menu. We do pizzas, burgers. Um, we try as far as we can to use our ingredients, our, our beer or the raw material. So, for instance, our burgers are made with a, a, a grist bun. We use some of the grist in the okay. burger bun that we cook on the premises um, or bake on the premises. And then our Fish and chips, we use our, our Glynn's Gold. It's a golden ale. We use that in the batter. So mm. we have a, a beer battered fish and chips. We do a, uh, our, uh, our start, we do a chocolate um, a chocolate cake. Okay. So as far as we can, we sort of include ingredients and we, we try to punt local as best we can mm. as well. Using local products, we don't ever, if we if we have any um, spirits, we'll have South African spirits. We get a South African craft whiskey, brandy, rum, um, so if people there, they're not going to be able to get their normal J and B or a, mm. or, or Gilby's. They'll have to use local, which we, which is I think it's a it's the right thing to do. Yeah. Um, and was and also just local employment, you know, like employ local. Um, it always cheeses me off. People look for um, talented staff. I've I've just employed a brewery intern. And I specifically said I want to get a local guy, somebody who comes out of this community rather than import somebody. There's, there's, there's lots of talented people out there. And I think we've got an obligation to make sure that we can employ as many as we can and keep the guys meaningfully busy. Yeah. Um, so I, I remember when I visited you, you had a, one of those little barrels and it was filled, I think, with, with Dryman's whiskey. Is that? That's correct, yes. Yeah. That, that was usually successful. And yeah. it, it led us to making a couple of batches of whiskey ourselves. Okay. Um, well, we did the um, fermentation at the brewery, and then we took it down to um, Mahorba Rum, uh, Robert okay. Reeves' place down mm. at Monolan. And it's come out fantastically well. It's four years old now. Um, wow. we, did, we did the um, conditioning in clear bottles with um, oak staves. Some of the staves we'd uh, charred and others we'd baked. But it's come out fantastically well. I'm, I actually need to bottle it this week. Yeah, um, It's four years old now. It was done in um, April and May. The two different batches um, in 2018. Was it 2017, 2018? 2018. So it's four years old now. So, um, yeah, it's, it's something that we also have discussed as directors saying, should we do it? Shouldn't we do it? Um, and I wish we had done it then because there was a lot of downtime during COVID where we could have just been making whiskey. Mm. Um, but, of course, you still land up paying for electricity and, and, and it's, it's that, that long lag time before you start seeing that return on your investment. Especially on the whiskey, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So anyway, you know, maybe we'll go for a bit of a, 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 a hybrid with a bit of moonshine yeah. on the way, you know. But it's certainly something that I'm interested in. Sean, besides your love for beer, you also have a passion for conservation. And the white rhino is especially close to your heart. Tell us a little bit about how you are still involved in conservation. Um, I'm still very involved with uh, NGO in the Waterberg um, okay. that looks at rhino conservation. And that's, that's is, near, is that now near Valkogosen or where yeah, is Yeah, sort Valkogosen. of right in the middle of it. So, okay. yeah, the, so, so, so I don't know if you know much about the Waterberg. I mean, it's it's in Limpopo. It's a, 
the Wartenberg is actually an ancient 3.2 billion year old massive, sandstone massive. It's two ancient rivers that are being um, pushed up, similar to what's happening to the, the Himalayas. Um, there's the Zimbabwe craton pushing from the north and the Nordkap craton from the south, and the Waterberg is being pushed up into the air. So it's this huge massive that's got terribly poor, nutritionally lousy, shitty soils. And however, it's fantastic for um, rhino and specifically white rhino. White rhino are, are, are grazers. They, they, they maintain um, habitat in a, a short grass type um, system, which is very desirable. But the, the, what we understand or think is going to happen is that if you want to see rhinos in the wild um, beyond 2030, it's going to probably be in the Waterberg. The Krugers lost 75% of their rhinos in the last 10 years. Um, it doesn't look like it's going to um, end soon. Um, KZN, I don't know if you've been reading the press lately, they've lost 105 rhinos this year already. Their, their population's been decimated. So there's there's very few places in the country, um, other than our John Hume's um, rhino collection, which is on a 5,000 hectare farm, where rhino are being properly protected, and the Waterberg is one of them. So I'm very involved with the NGO there of, of establishing the stronghold, which requires the putting in the license plate recognition cameras, um, control points, um, boom gates, where vehicles are stopped, um, license uh, registrations are scanned, licenses are scanned, and um, have um, crime intelligence people who properly interrogate the data that you get in, people who are released on bail that don't pitch up for their court appearances, um, re recovered firearms, vehicles that have been involved in other transgressions. And so it goes. So we've, we, we, we build in the we, we've already built it. It's a question of now taking it, reinforcing it, and expanding it. So I've been quite involved with that. Um, and the jury's out in my own life, personally, if I, if I want to go and do that on a more full-time basis, um, or if I'm going to stay and make beer, dabble around in the brewery and make whiskey. Mm. Um, currently, in, under the current COVID conditions, the answer is no. The, the brewery can't afford an additional mm. salary. Um, if, if, if I walked into the brewery and said, listen, I'd, I'd have to sell two or three or 4,000 liters of beer to justify it. So, yeah. you know, it's one of those, one of those decisions that it's a, it's a wait and see type of thing. Um, obviously the rhino issue is very pressing, um, that, that, that the, we, we can't wait too long, but I do have time in my hands to, to allocate to that project at the moment. So I'll, I'll continue with that. Um, so yeah, I've, I've got a few, um, um, rods in the fire, and um, I'll see which one which ones I can still hold on to <laughs> <laughs> if the fire doesn't go out. Yeah, wonderful, Sean. And uh, it's been great catching up. And I really hope that we can send some some people your way. People yeah, that listen, be fantastic. listen yeah. to our stories. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, anybody hears us, they welcome to just look me up. And um, yeah. if the guys want to walk through the brewery or just sit and have a beer, they must welcome to uh, give me a shot and. Okay. I'm not always at the brewery, but I'm close by. I'm a, yeah, a you stay in the village, away. Okay. I stay in the village. Yeah, okay. yeah. So I'm, I'm close by. Yeah, I can't get. I can't wait to get out again and to visit yeah. all, all all the people again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Get get back. Yeah, you, you, people's um, habits have changed, eh? and we have to um, change them back again. Pe yeah. People are not used to going out, and and um, 
we, we've stopped trading in the evenings just because it just doesn't make any sense. Really? Yeah. People don't go out at night time. There's too many potholes. There's a, and they've got used to entertaining themselves at home. Mm. That's what they've had to do for three years. So, mm. you know, I suppose a bunny's tight. So, yeah. 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 But anyway, as I said, our, our heads above water. We've got a lot to be thankful for. Yeah, we're, we're still in business, and so that bodes well for the future. Yeah, wonderful. Excellent, man. Thank you for listening to our stories here online. In the show notes, you will also find a link where you can subscribe to become part of our community and be notified when we upload our latest content.